Hello and welcome back to Lack of Debt Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began and today I'm bringing you my top 11 players on my Game Week 4 watch list ranked from 11 to 1 and I'll be talking to you talking you through the various reasons as to why I've not pitched Rodrigo and why you should probably own uh, Robert Sanchez. So before I get into any of that, uh, I apologise for the terrible quality of this week's video. I'm at my mum's house and there's not a lot of technology set up here. And uh, secondly, please remember to like and subscribe because this is the only podcast I've remembered to say at the beginning. And so I have high expectations going into this week. I'll quickly bring up my graphics and then we can um, get into my thoughts on who may be 11th, may be Rodrigo. So here he is. Um, surprise, surprise to nobody. My 11th ranked watch list player is Rodrigo. The only reason I've included him on the list is because it is ridiculous that he's the top scorer in the Premier League. I saw... A, saw a breakdown of his expected goals on Twitter and um, he scored something like three of his goals from an expected goals of, I want to say 0 0.9. It's frightening how much this man's overperforming his XG. And as, we all, as all the XG merchants can agree with me now, especially looking at his non-penalty goals from this comparison to forward players, Albeit he does sometimes play in the midfield. But huge, huge disparities between the goals you've scored and the goals you've been expected to score are, are not sustainable unless you're underperforming it and you are just bad. And so, yeah, that I, I wanted to include Rodrigo. I also wanted to include Rodrigo because at some point, like what happens after a month like another month of this am I going to still not bring him in so yeah I'm going to say he's on my watch list because look at all the green of those fixtures I guess I could have made Man United red but are Man United really a red fixture anymore I know that they beat Liverpool but let's say from an attacking perspective the statistically this season so far, the hardest defence that they're going to face will be Brighton in the next game. And then every single one of those other clubs has been giving out a fair amount of goals. Apart from maybe you could argue Nottingham Forest don't. So if you think Rodrigo is good currently, you've got Brighton, which even even at Brighton at the peak of their powers, you still back a lead side that just pumped Chelsea 3-0 against them. Then you've got Everton. I have never gone into a season more sure that Rodrigo could score against Everton than this season. <laughs> then you've got Brentford, who kind of flip back and forth from being incredibly difficult to score against in one match to conceding three to anyone in the other. So although I do love Benjamin Mee for the price and the heading value, I'd I wouldn't be put off by a Brentford fixture. I'm not put off by Nottingham Forest, who have just come up and signed 15 new players. I'm not put off by Man United. And Aston Villa, we all think Gerrard's about to get sacked. And so even though the stats look like that, you'd still possibly consider a, a, an underperforming Rodrigo on stats, on stats, on fixtures alone. And so, yeah, he's, he's 11th. And um, before I go into my top 10, 
there are two other Leeds players on this list that I've considered that I consider better value or better options than Rodrigo. And so I'm excited to get to them and, and elaborate a bit more on why I think they might be better choices. Uh, my only note that I've written down here on Rodrigo is not the truth. But to touch on it again, if he keeps this up for another month or two months, even the most stubborn, most like that's a noob pick, like um, not indie, what are they called? Oh, pretentious stat guru YouTuber will own Rodrigo. Like, even I will own him if he keeps doing this for another month. Even me. And so that's the only thing that I would say is that just because I'm saying all this does not mean that you will not ultimately beat me but come the end of the season for believing in Rodrigo before I do. And so just take all of my criticism with a pinch of salt because at the end of the day, we are talking about the top scorer in the Premier League, who is 11th and 10th. We have Ivan Tony. They've got Everton. You back him in that fixture. Crystal Palace. I don't back him in that fixture. Leeds. You back him to score in that. Leeds have never been a historically amazing defence. Southampton. You back anyone to score against Southampton for the past like four or five years. Arsenal, hard fixture, Bournemouth, you back him to score there as well. I've got I've got a few issues with Tony. I, I obviously comment down below if you disagree. I'm not a hundred percent sold that Tony is very likely for a haul, if ever. The most he ever looked likely to haul was when he was playing with Ericsson at Brentford and someone was consistently creating chances for him. And as you've seen in the assists that he's gotten so far, particularly that amazing assist to Mbwemo, at times he's so far from the goal. And and for the price, I'm just not sure if that's specifically what I, what I want to invest in. As a, as a striker who I don't think is, 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 is going to be in and about it as much. I think Mitrovic will score more goals this season than Tony. And so why would I not go for him? Tony will make it more points, make it more assists, things like that. But when you include the fact that Tony's 8.6 million and we, we're all trying to cram in Cancelo and Haaland, some of us want De Bruyne, Son, Kane. When we're trying to think all, like fix, fit all of that into one team, having your enabler striker be 8.6 million just doesn't feel sustainable to me. And so I, I, that's why I've got Tony as low as 10th. Also, I mentioned it in the last video, um, now that we're coming up for an incredibly condensed European run of fixtures, there, there's the added benefit of, of, of having Tony over having a Haaland that might not play. But Haaland's way more likely to haul. You're never going to captain Tony. That, that These are all things that need to come into your thinking with budget. When you're thinking of how much you should pay for someone, if you never want to captain them, like your Polinias, like your Camaras, you do want them on the cheap. And, and 8.6 isn't cheap. I've said it before, I'd say it again. So yeah, Tony is nailed by expensive, according to my notes. And at number nine, we have Kevin De Bruyne. 99th in literally every single attacking metric, which is obviously encouraging. Passes attempted, averages 60 per 90. So, you know, a passes tier isn't, isn't uh, too much to expect. 
he's close to it at the very least. If they become extremely ball dominant and he completes every single pass in the game, he'll get passes tier one, which I wouldn't put past him because he has a because he is amazing. And then fixtures: Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, Tottenham, Wolves, Man United. The only one I've got grey there is Tottenham, and. I'm not sure if that is or isn't a green fixture. You'd have to ask a Tottenham fan or a Man City fan about that. But it's just the way that they defend and the low block, it's caused them problems last season. So I felt a bit... Tottenham did the double over them last season and so I could hardly put it green. Crystal Palace is also a huge bogey fixture from them. Crystal Palace look amazing this season so far. Uh, what a job Patrick Vieira's done. I was talking last episode about, you know, that connection between Zaha and Eze and, 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 and as that connection grows and is nurtured and is as he becomes more confident it's only going to cause uh, defenses more problems and even Kyle Walker who's a great right back it's just it just looks overwhelming so yeah it's also you saw how they were able to play in the counter-attack against Liverpool and so I don't love bringing in uh Man City assets for that fixture. The whole reason I didn't bring in Haaland again is because his two fixtures this time were Newcastle and Crystal Palace. And I didn't love uh, City against either of those defences, even though they are an amazing team. So yeah, I would I would, I would, would take all that with a pinch of salt. But fundamentally, the reason why I've got De Bruyne so low is that you get way more points for a goal than for an assist. And although De Bruyne was good at putting goals away this this last season... Haaland is really kind of the exclamation point, the the figurehead, the target man, the talisman of that team now. And with everything aiming to be funneled through him, uh, De Bruyne's chances of getting an assist look through the roof. But fundamentally, you get double the amount of points for a goal. And I think Haaland's goal so massively outscored De Bruyne's. And so, I doubt anyone is looking to own De Bruyne without owning Haaland. And if 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 you're of that, I was going to say persuasion, but if you're of that opinion, it's very expensive to go double city attack, especially with Haaland looking likely to get rotated. Although, again, to undermine myself, you might just be able to scrape through not getting the Haaland hauls if De Bruyne plays every single match, but I doubt he will do that in a, in a period as congested as this. But he did become pretty nailed near the end of last season. He only missed one or two. So... With all of that in mind, De Bruyne is number nine, I believe. And number eight, curveball, not seeing anyone speak about him yet. Just 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 to say something. I'm just gonna quickly look up how much Okay, I can't do that on my phone because I'm recording the audio on my phone. So if the audio's just gone like shit, it's because I've literally just picked you up into my warm embrace. Wait for me. I'm looking it up on the laptop. Right, defenders named Pascal. I swear he's he's something great. It's like it appears I can't spell Pascal. Right, here he is. Six point nine million. Six point nine million. Really, the reason why I've got him here is because he looks nailed for tackles, dears. Against Chelsea, he got tackles tier one. A ball-dominant team where you're expecting him to get tackles. Against Southampton, he got tackles tier two. And against Wolves, he got tackles tier two. He also got an assist against Southampton and a clean sheet against Chelsea. I don't back... I don't back um, 
leads necessarily to get clean sheets but I actually think they're more likely to get clean sheets than Nottingham Forest and with Pascal Struck looking nailed to get tackles tiers I think he's probably a better pick than the only other 6.9 million defender I can think of in Nico Williams and also if you're comparing sub 7 million enablers like we're talking about our Kamaras and our Palinhas and our stuff like that Kamara Probably less so than Palina Kamara, who I love for getting passes, passes tears, and he got tackles tears last week when they got absolutely dominated by uh, Palace. But he, the, the, and and a defender who's nailed to get tackles tears, you've got kind of a, a floor of a player who is minimum going to score the same as Kamara every week, and then a ceiling of someone who could get an extra five points. And Leeds, maybe one in every three games, you'd be happy with that. And so this could be a great differential. The fixtures he's got coming up, he's got Brighton, then Everton, then Brentford, then Nottingham Forest. And in those four, what if they keep two clean sheets? If they're doing really well, like they do look to be on fire at the moment, what if they kept three? And then someone who's got Kamara, who's, uh, who I've swore by and still swear by, is, is a great pick, has got what 18 20 points and if you've got this guy you've got 15 more than that in 35 yep quick arithmetic that's another thing you can get in the channel but yeah I just think I think just watch out for Pascal the only thing that kind of shouts out to me is that it's weird it is really really weird to to like center backs normally are not huge tacklers of the ball and if a center back is normally getting tackle like reliably getting tackled tiers that normally implies a slightly faulty defensive system where they're having to put in a lot of tackles normally it's about pressures and headers and clearances and so this the tackles tiers alone I mean I doubt they'll get a ton of clean sheets but if they get any clean sheets that makes him a better pick than Kamara who's unlikely to score a goal unlike Palina who is an absolute still and as we saw last week makes him a huge issue on set pieces so yeah that is that is someone to consider as my number eight so our next one's kind of expected we talked about him in the last podcast i was absolutely raging raging that someone else had picked this man but he makes it up to number seven harrison just write his name down there with a sad face will i ever bring harrison in He gets tackles here sometimes. That's good. He's 7.4 million. That's fair. His non-penalty goals per 90 is 0 0.3. So he scores one in every three or so games. That's all right. It just doesn't excite me. I like my enablers to be reliable. I think these two should probably be the other way around, if anything. Because Pascal Struck looks so reliable. But that being said, Leeds attack does look way better than its defence. And so if Harrison is going to be the kind of key player in that when Rodrigo's ridiculous overperforming his XG dies down, then maybe he has the pick to go for. That would certainly imply it for this list because I've got Harrison higher than the other two. Again, like the other two fixtures, I've got Manu and Green. What do you want me to do? I think Harrison could easily score two goals against Man United. 
none of us would be surprised. And then again, with the fixtures looking that good, all three of them made it onto the list. I don't know anything else I should really be saying about Harrison other than he's always been better than Rodrigo. And so I think me and everyone else would be surprised if if, if at the end of this season he hadn't outperformed, outperformed Rodrigo again because he's never not outperformed Rodrigo. And yes, players do change. Yes, systems do change. But I don't think people become the best player in the world overnight. And if Rodrigo continues to outperform his XG like he has done, he'll statistically be better at finishing than Haaland for this season, if perhaps for the rest of his career. And I don't think any of us are expecting him to do that. So yeah, Harrison, welcome your number seven. Number six is actually Haaland. Why is he so low down? Because Pep said he'd be rotated. So I'm not ecstatic about it. I do really like the look of that Nottingham Forest fixture. And I love the look of the Aston, Aston Villa fixture. I think that could be 9-0. And Haaland could score five of them. And I won't own Haaland. And he sco- Haaland scores in more than one in every two games. He scores in most of his games. Scores in almost all of his games. And one of them will be against an Aston Villa team that are about to have their manager sacked. Because his manager thinks they can defend with two players back the same way they did in the Scottish Premiership when all his players were better than the other players. But now his players aren't better than the other players. And he's only got two players back and one of them's Tyrone Mings, which means Haaland's going to run a hole clean through their heart. And what if I want to be someone who owns Haaland when he runs that hole in, their, in, in Stephen Gerrard's heart? That's what I'm thinking, at least. Will I bring him in soon? No. That's why he's, he's, he's all the way down in sixth. Speeding up now, moving into third, Trippier scored a zinger of a free kick against City. I said on the podcast that you should really listen to that Trippier, you know, it's not unlikely for him to outperform all the other defenders because he's expected to get at least some points from goals and assists and all of the other defenders aren't really going to get any bonus tiers. I don't think any of them have any bonus tiers this season so far. He's definitely first choice. He's nailed to play and he's really important in their system. Have I got anything else to say? Yeah, I'm not going for him even though the fixtures are good because I'm uh, going to Pope later. And I think Romero's a better trip. I think Romero's a better pick than Trippier. And so when Romero's fit, I'll bring him in. I won't get Trippier in. And then after I do my Henderson handover in game week seven, I think it is. It could be game week eight, but I think it's game week seven. It's game week six and seven, I think it is. I bring in Henderson for the last fixture of game week six. He plays again, the first fixture of game week seven, and then I own Pope. And so, with that in mind, I like the Newcastle defence. I think it looks great. But I don't want to own two players from it. So that's where I'm at just now. Next up, Madison. What can I say about Madison? I brought him into my B team. Chelsea don't. Chelsea look rattled after that Leeds fixture, and so I think they might come back like a hungry wolf and scoff, scoff a weak and brittle-looking Leicester team managed by a kind of shaken and brittle-looking Brendan Rodgers. Uh, and so uh, I'm not entirely sure if I think Madison might score against them. But also, what if Chelsea are weak and rattled now that their managers had like a tant- tantrum about handshakes and the touchline? What if Chelsea look weak, weak and rattled and Koulibaly's gone 
and Madison scores a, another zinger of a free kick or something like that. I just think Madison has started the season in the form of his life and if we learned anything from last season, it's that once Madison picks up form, it could last the entire season. And so I don't feel... I don't have many uh, fears about bringing Madison in the same way I do about a Harrison or a Rodrigo. Albeit Madison's much more expensive and that's probably why. But yeah, look at those fixtures as well. Chelsea, not the best. Man U, good. Brighton and Hove Albion, we'll see. But if they keep up the the form they're in, they could well be going to the Conference League this year. Villa, again, eat at whole like someone eating a, a quiche. And Tottenham isn't the best fixture, but they've been struggling to keep clean sheets. Uh, oh, also, I meant to say this at the beginning, but I always forget to say little tidbits. And the fact that I remembered to say like and subscribe was kind of, you know what I mean, made me feel proud enough as it is. But the reason last, not even last week's podcast, the last podcast of this week was called Perisic Time Question Mark and Perisic isn't on my kind of shopping list of players, is that Spurs haven't been good enough at keeping clean sheets yet for me to think about doubling down again. And I've already got Dyer, and I don't want to use all the transfers under the sun because uh, I, I just don't think it's the best idea. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, you know, passes, tears, Perisic being rotated... Dyer looking less likely to get rotated. I can live with not having Perisic if, I'm already, if I've got kind of coverage there. So that's why Perisic isn't on the list. Next we have Sanchez. He's kept two clean sheets so far, if I'm not confused. The Brighton defence has always been good. They've had a slight change of system and so the defenders aren't getting passes to yours. In the stats, he's a great goalkeeper. Why not? Look at those fixtures. Leeds, the only reason I've got them silver is because they're on a roll at the moment. Then they've got Fulham, Leicester, who could easily keep a who they could easily keep a clean sheet against. Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, and then Liverpool, who are in the worst form of their lives. So just think about it. I think Sanchez could be a great buy. Uh I've also got the expected um goals conceded of uh Brighton and Hove Albion, the XG of the other teams in their last three games. Uh, against West Ham, they didn't. Uh, West Ham didn't manage over one expected goal, and Newcastle only managed zero point two two expected goals. So, like one eighth of of a solid goal created. But let me try and say that again. Um, uh, this Brighton defense looked good. <laughs> That's that's why I'm looking at Sanchez. Um, yeah, and they only didn't keep a clean sheet against Man United because of an own goal. And so all these things together make me think, you know what, I can live with I can live with a Sanchez pick if I want to drop down from uh, Ramsdale. Next up, in my, my second top, taking the silver medal, is Zaha, who I wanted to bring up. The fixtures aren't amazing, but again, Zaha and Brighton, Zaha and Palace, sorry, are a bit of a bogey team for Man City. And so I wouldn't be totally worried about the concept of them going there and scoring a goal. And if they are scoring a goal, it's 
more likely than anything that Zaha is the one that, that puts it away. Brentford, uh, uh, this, this Crystal Palace side look better than them. This Crystal Palace side look arguably better than Newcastle so far this season. Uh, Man United, Brighton and and Chelsea are all are all interesting games. So it's not an amazing fixture run by any stretch of the imagination. But I, everything after Chelsea is exceptional from Zaha. And so it's kind of like a, you could almost set and forget him until the World Cup. And the thing I really look like about him is that I, I said in the last podcast, he's never looked so good. He's in the form of his life right now. He's confident. He's aggressive. He's taking on shots and putting them away. He's playing with a kind of bullyish underdog mentality. I don't know if those two things kind of cancel each other out. But the way he ran at Van Dyke was as if he knew for a fact he could score against him. And I think a Zaha with that mentality is really a, a kind of an elite, an elite level European player a real a real champions league talent and when you consider the fact that the european games are coming up and so zaha will be nailed for games that other people and kind of city teams or liverpool teams might not be at um eight point whatever million or whatever you'd have to pay for him he's who i'm considering replacing son with what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna watch tottenham play this week and if it's not about whether or not they score it's about how they're playing and if they're managing to get Son in behind into those goal-scoring opportunities. Because if they're not getting Son in behind and they're still struggling with it, and, and after one week or maybe two weeks, I wouldn't mind missing Zaha against Man City. So if we get halfway through the next game week and we've, we've done the kind of first set of fixtures of the double game week and uh, Son still doesn't look great, I'll have a lot to think about before Zaha plays Brentford put it that way because it would free up so much cash and Zaha just looks like an infinitely it sounds silly but more reliable pick this season is Zaha than than Son and so that's that's a move I'm I'm thinking about and then my number one is Pope uh, and the reason he's number one is because I know I'm bringing him in and so everyone else is kind of like number one is most likely to come in all the way down to unlikely to come in and so, yeah, we've we've gone for Pope. And the reason for that is the Newcastle defence looked good. The fixtures turn after that point. The fixtures turn pretty soon, to be honest, and look really good. You've got Liverpool in two games, which, I mean, I'd probably still be surprised if everyone kept a clean sheet against them. But, I mean, Man United almost did. And they were off. <laughs> but, yeah, so you've got Wolves, Liverpool, Crystal Palace, West Ham, and then it's Bournemouth and Fulham. So that's a lot of green in my eyes. A lot of green, and the green is greening me, as I've, as I've famously said before. And so, uh, yeah, I think Pope's really given me a lot to think about. And by a lot to think about, I mean not a lot to think about. I will be doing Henderson in, Henderson out, Pope in. I can promise you that. Unless Sanchez is still keeping a clean sheet every game at that point, in which case, I'm sorry, Pope, but there's not much I can do. So yeah, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you to come. Thank you for attending our first ever watch this video, and uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Uh, goodbye. Have a good day.